the word of our Lord from the book of Proverbs. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray that you would bless it to our hearts. Pray that you would bless it to our minds. We pray that you would bless it to all of our lives. And we pray all this in your Son's name. Amen. The scriptures tell us that to have friends, you've got to be a friend. I mentioned that last week. And that's a, uh, an important life lesson for us. To have friends, you've got to be a friend. You want friends in your life? Be friendly. You want friends to, uh, to care for you? Care for your friends. To have friends, you've got to be a friend. But the text also tells us that there is a friendship that's even thicker than blood. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This morning, I want to unpack this idea of that friendship that is thicker than blood and that particular friend who sticks closer to us than a brother. The Scriptures tell us that Abraham was a friend of God. He was God's friend and God was his friend. There's a, uh, there's a technical term in the, the, the field of biblical study, and the term is anthropomorphism. And it's when we use human language or human characteristics to think about God. We protect, project those human traits upon God. The question that I wrestle with when I read about Abraham being God's friend is, well, is that all that's happening here? Just projecting a human ideal upon God as though God is somehow our friend, but He's not really. Or are there some things that we learn about God's character in the context of friendship? And conversely, something that we learn about friendship in the context of God's character. And I'll tell you, I'm betting my life on the latter. That God's friendliness is rooted in reality. He's not just like a friend. He is a friend. Friendship teaches us about God. And what's more, God teaches us, or wants to teach us, a thing or two about friendship. And so consequently, I'd like to address two questions in this light. The first question I'd like to address is, why does friendship teach us about God? Why is it that in God, we, or in, in the context of friendship, we learn about God? Simply put, God is the origin of all beauty, all goodness, and all truth. All good things. That's right, as Jesus put it, He is the spring from which all living waters flow. 
As the psalmist put it, He is the fount of every blessing. The Apostle James put it this way, He is the giver of every good and every perfect gift. He is the Father of lights, without whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. However you would like to put it, God is the origin of all good, of all things that are true, all truth. And He is the origin of all things that are indeed beautiful, all beauty. And so as the origin of all good and true and beautiful things, He is also the origin of friendship. And so in the context of friendship, we learn about God. And in relationship with God, in friendship with Him, we learn about what friendship is. He is indeed the archetype of friendship. And as such, He is also the architect of friendship. He designed what friendship ought to be like. And in truth, He designed what real friendship really is like. He is the origin. He is the greatest of possible friends. He is the friend who says, winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you've got to do is call. I'll come running. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a friend in me. Friendship teaches us about God because friendship derives its very existence and its substance from Him. He is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is the origin of that friendship that is thicker than blood. He enables us to have friends by being a friend. Now secondly, what does God teach us about friendship? He teaches us a number of things about friendship. This morning I'd like to specifically address two of them. He teaches us that friends don't let friends be lonely. Whether you knew it or not, say that He's cleared His schedule for us. And friends don't let friends be lonely. Now, to be alone and to be lonely are obviously quite different. Oftentimes, we need to be alone in order to spend time with God. Oftentimes, we need to to know what it is to, to sit in silence and to sit in solitude so that we might strengthen that friendship that is thicker than blood.
But time spent together in friendship is key. Time spent with God is key. God does not want us to be spiritually lonely. He wants to spend time with us. And just as time is key, time spent together in the context of friendship is key, so also is communication key. And when God spends time with us and when we give of our time to spend it with Him, we ought to be communicating with one another. Now, it's possible to communicate without words. Really, on a couple of levels, it's possible to communicate without words. For one thing, communication is not just talking. Communication is also listening. And so our words don't necessarily have to be a part of that communication all the time. Just as a friend gets frustrated when he can't get a word in edgewise with another friend... So also must God probably be sometimes frustrated in our prayer lives when He can't get a word in edgewise. But also on another level, it's possible for us to communicate without either of us speaking words. Husbands and wives, you know this. You know what it is to get a message, a very, very clear message from just a look. You know what it is to get a message from just the sound of laughter. And so when I say that communication is key in in the context of our friendship with God, I'm not simply saying we ought to say more to Him. Because even in praying, there ought to be times where we're not saying anything, but we're instead listening. But also we communicate with God, not just through prayer, but in worship, in gladness, in joy. Regardless of how we are communicating with Him, to communicate well is important and communication itself is key. Because friends don't let friends be lonely. God wants to spend time with us. He spent time with Abraham. You read through, through those chapters in Genesis about the life of Abraham and it was, it was a very regular occurrence that Abraham was was meeting with Yahweh. Yahweh was meeting with Abraham. God teaches us about friendship also that friends don't let friends destroy themselves. They look out for one another. Friends don't let friends harm themselves. Put themselves unnecessarily in harm's way. 
or tear down what is good in themselves. Whether we like it or not, God gets into our business. Because He cares. He gets into our business because He knows the dangers that are involved sometimes in our business. He's not just a busybody. He's not just a do-gooder. He's the ultimate do-gooder, obviously. But whether we like it or not, God necessarily gets into our business because friends don't let friends destroy themselves. Friends are there when it's risky. Friends are there when it's dangerous. Friends are there. They stick close. In the first book of the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, we realize that the story is about to is about to get thick. And Sam and Bilbo are preparing to take the ring out from the shire. And they're on their way. And their two friends, Mary and Pippin, or Meriadoc and Peregrine, are with them. But as far as Sam and Frodo are aware, these two friends don't know all that's going on. And Frodo's frustrated because... He's trying to do something on his own. He's trying to to deal with his problem by himself. He's trying to deal with the ring as the ring bearer in his own strength, in his own might, and all by his lonesome so that no one else gets hurt. And so in frustration, he says this. He says, but it does not seem that I can trust anyone because these two meddling friends, Mary and Pippin, And of course, his third meddling friend, Sam. And so Sam looked at him unhappily. It all depends on what you want, put in Mary. You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you even keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. Anyway, there it is. We know most of what Gandalf has told you. We know a good deal about the ring. We are horribly afraid, but we are coming with you or following you like hounds. We ought to be grateful for the hound of heaven who refuses to leave us alone. Who refuses to leave us to our own destructive devices. Who teaches us that friends don't let friends destroy themselves. 
to remain lost leads to destruction. And so God's not nagging us. He's helping us. Sin always breeds death and it will always kill all that it touches. And so in our lives, He's not meddling. He's healing. And He is the hound of heaven who will not leave us alone. Friends don't let friends destroy themselves. And so God is greatly concerned with our lives. He is greatly involved in our business. There's a third question I'd like to consider. Congratulations, you've reached the bonus round. I told you there were two questions. I I do have a third. That third question is, what does it mean that God is our friend? If we say that God is our friend, what are those implications for us? David just a few moments earlier, read the text from John 15. And Jesus said in that text that there's no greater love than that which gives its life for a friend. He then told His disciples that they were not merely His servants, but were indeed His friends. And then within hours, just as the sun was coming up, He was nailed to a cross in their behalf and in ours. What does it mean that God is our friend? It means that God shares His life with us. He gave His life for us. And He gives His life to us. To be a friend of God means we're not living in our own strength alone. We are living in His. It means to remain alive in Him is to have His life in us. Because God shares His life with us. I said last week that throughout these weeks together this month as we deal with the subject of friendship, we'll be approaching friendship from the idea of sharing life together. And as the greatest of all friends, the greatest friend of our souls, the greatest friend of our lives, the archetype of friendship, the architect of friendship, as the origin from which all good things come and all friendship derives its character, 
God shares His life with us. He's that concerned with us. He cares that deeply for us. And so He comes to us with His life and He says, here, take it. You'll find rest. You'll find healing. You'll find strength. You'll find that I will never leave you nor forsake you. You'll find that I am the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Take it. book of Proverbs is always a, um, a tricky book. Because in the book of Proverbs, we read things that ought to happen in life, but sometimes don't happen in life. It's in the book of Proverbs that we read, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end, he will not depart from it. And far too many Christian parents have scratched their heads in wonder and said, Lord, what happened? I raised them up to know You and they seem far from You. See, the book of Proverbs tells us the way life is supposed to be. It tells us how life is supposed to work. It tells us what ought to be. What ought to be for our lives is that we would know that friend who sticks closer than a brother that we would know the joys of that friendship that, are, that is thicker than blood. Just as the foundation of a house affects the entirety of the house, so also will our relationship with God affect every other relationship we have in life. Whether it would be a friendship, whether it would be a brother and sister, sibling relationship, whether it would be a, 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 a classmate a relationship we have with a classmate, or a relationship we have with our teacher, a relationship that we have with our, with our spouse. Every other relationship in our lives will be affected by the relationship that we have with God because the foundation of a house affects the entirety of the house. We ought to know God as our greatest friend. It's imperative that we put first things first. Otherwise, all other things will suffer. The Scriptures offer to us that counsel not as a threat, 
but it simply has an understanding of the nature of things. When second things are put first, second things, third things, fourth things, and on down the line don't quite work like they ought. When we say, oh, I can build a nice, lovely house, it'll be beautiful. It'll even be made of brick. And we neglect to build the foundation first. We end up with a house that looks quite beautiful for a time, but is a bit uncomfortable to live in, and eventually will just collapse. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. And there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's pray to that friend.